You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. What's up, everybody? We've got a fun episode here for you. I'm interviewing Fatima Diko. She's the founder and CEO of a company called Sugar, a platform that helps apartment residents feel more at home, as they say. You know, Sugar allows residents to pay rent, unlock doors, socialize with neighbors, and easily communicate with management all inside a single app. And I actually really like some of these features. One of them in particular, and we'll talk about, is the digital call box. Uh, but one of the things that Sugar has been working on in helping on-site managers and owners operators is understand the importance of what they call the AREC score, the Average Resident Experience Score. We get into what is it, how do you measure it, and why does it matter? There's so much more baked into this interview, so let's go ahead and jump right in. All right, but just one more thing here before we jump into today's episode, a word from our sponsor. Cure is banding together and building together to make renting a home a simple and satisfying experience for all. Over 30 leading property management companies have joined Pure so far. Combined, they have over 1,000 years of experience. They deliver a high-tech, high-touch, and hyper-local property management experience for residents and investors nationwide. Learn more about joining Pure at purepm.co. Hey, Fatima. Welcome to the show. Hi, Nate. Super excited. Yeah, it's this is about time. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> Same here. It's about time. I'm very excited for, for this, um, and I think we're going to have a good conversation. I'm also very excited for people to hear about Sugar. I know that you guys have been working uh, for a little while now, building some really cool stuff. I feel like kind of floating under the radar a little bit, but maybe getting ready for a breakout. So as we always do, please go ahead and introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Awesome. Well, my name is Fatima Diko. I'm the CEO of Sugar. Uh, Sugar is a modern resident experience platform, which I'm sure we'll, we'll dive more into during the conversation. Um, but we're on a mission to turn strangers into neighbors and, and neighbors into friends. Um, so super pumped to be here and, you know, a big fan of this podcast. So it's great to finally, <laughs> finally be here. That means a lot. I, re- I appreciate that. Um, so we're going to really start a little bit with your background and then we'll get into the product high level. You had uh, you've had a very obvious path into prop tech. Do you want to share a little bit about that <laughs> path and how did, how did you end up uh, founding Sugar? Sure. Um, so I am originally <laughs> I started out as a chemical engineer. Um, I was born in Mali and then moved to New York City. Um, and when I moved to New York, you know, being an immigrant. Um, you know, you just naturally become very curious about your new surroundings. And I think a lot of that curiosity led to, you know, wanting to become an engineer, um, primarily just asking the question why um, every day about everything. And (laughs) 
Um, after studying, you have patient parents. Oh man, I mean, yeah, they've they've been through some stuff <laughs> for sure with me. Um, and after you know studying chemical engineering, I went to Procter and Gamble and joined this super cool team. Um, it was a product innovation team where we created products three to ten years away from market. Uh, you know, I worked on everything from 3D printed lipstick that you could print after seeing someone on Instagram wear that certain color. Wow. Um, we worked on this project where we were measuring um, essentially where to put products on the shelf in um, stores because the angle at which someone's head turns to look at the product impacts their purchase intent. Um, so just learned a lot about consumer psychology. Um, and then also I formulated a lot of products for CoverGirl, which was really cool to be on, you know, the other side of makeup of actually putting it together. Um, so loved that experience. Um, I, I had a great time. My journey into entrepreneurship isn't the classic, you know, my boss was terrible and I just wanted to start my own thing. I actually had a really, really phenomenal manager um, and, and ultimately leader, right? And she taught me that, mm. you know, when you talk to a boss or a manager, they feel important. But when you talk to a leader, you feel important. And she would always kind of push me to think about what is it that I wanted to accomplish um, on a greater scale, even beyond the work I was doing at P&G. And she really continued to push me to think about this idea that great Great innovative ideas happen when old ideas come together for the first time. Um, so you don't necessarily yeah. need to be the first person to think of something or the first person, um, you know, to, to invent something. But, you know, be a prolific noticer and bring two old ideas together for the first time. And that started to really build this confidence or even this. It just planted a seed that maybe I, I could create something um, which sounds super simple and small, but I think that that seed is usually a very important catalyst to go into this crazy, you know, entrepreneurship journey. Um, so from there, I, you know, started thinking a lot about starting a company. I left PNG, having immigrant parents, they freaked out completely about that. Um, which is what led me to going to Stanford Business School um, to buy two years to work on my idea and work on, you know, what could be a company. At the time, it was so hard for me to even call an idea a company because it was just, you know, during its early stages. Yeah. And um, yeah, from there, I left Stanford and we're here with Sugar Now, which I'm sure we'll dive into. But that's that's my quick journey of how I got into prop tech. The most obvious path yeah, into prop tech. Obviously. And, um... <laughs> From 3D, 3D printed lipstick to business school to prop tech. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll hear that as a repeating theme from founders <laughs> and shows to come here. So let's let, yeah, let's jump in on sugar. Um, what does, what's the big problem that sugar solves for? For sure. So the name sugar actually comes from this concept of borrowing a cup of sugar from your neighbor. Um, when you just think about the evolution of human connectivity you know, we had been borrowing cups of sugars um, from our neighbors for quite some time. 
And it wasn't until, you know, things like the Industrial Revolution, when we had more access to transportations and supermarkets that, you know, we became more independent and less reliant on um, other people around us. And so that's that's the premise of the name. I get a lot of questions sometimes about the name, uh, which people could take that in so many directions. <laughs> um, but we are on a mission, you know, when I moved to LA after graduating business school, I lived in an apartment building in Los Angeles with hundreds of people and realized I didn't know a single person who lived at my property. Um, and I thought that was a really big problem. I'd been thinking a lot about this idea of community for some time, and we ran a quick experiment. This is in the middle of the pandemic. Um, all of us were spending time. I was seeing more people in the elevator and more people at the property than I had before. And so we put a QR code in the elevator to get people to just download this. Um, you know, it was a very simple prototype at the time to just connect with people in the building. And within a couple of days, we had over half of the building using the platform, um, which we thought was really cool. And I mean, so many amazing things started happening. People were printing documents for others. Um, someone helped another sick pet at the property. This one woman planted vegetables and was sharing with others. Um, some of her neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of highlighted that there is this desire to connect. There is this desire for people um, to know their neighbors. Um, but we're in the middle of a loneliness pandemic and we're more disconnected than ever before. So that's kind of the early story of why we, we created what we created. And the more I talked to a lot of people and specifically residents who lived in apartment buildings, the consensus was that yeah, my building has an app, but it's, it's, yeah, I don't really use it or. I, That's kind of what it was like for me in yeah. Chicago. It's just, yeah, I think they have something, but I'm not using that. Yeah. It's just, you know, yeah. Yeah. I feel the same thing even as a, as a, a, you know, we're now, you know, we moved into our own place versus uh, finally got out of renting, I suppose. And, but we, we have the same innate like desire. And fortunately, I think one of the very, the coolest things when I moved in was my neighbor came across the street and introduced himself and that sort of thing. And now he has a key to our house Oh wow! Um, because <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people do that still these days, but like we, we do travel quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so like, he'll just give me a call or send me a text like, Hey, I got your package. I put it inside for you, you know? And then we just like send him and bring him things back from everywhere we've been. So it kind of, it's a fair exchange. It, it works out. That's awesome. Good. And that's how it should be. Honestly, I'm sure we'll get into the product mm -hmm. a bit more, but we started yep. noticing neighbors share digital keys with each other to do things like water each other's plants when people are out of town. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sounds crazy, but it's not crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, naturally, next question here. I I don't know if I sent you the notes. Apparently, you must have them here. But you know, walk <laughs> me through some of the high level features and functions of sugar. You know, and the value that it's delivering, both on the uh, the renter, but also if there's the you know just a back end here for managers and that sort of thing. Like, how are they seeing what's going on? Yeah. So to break down the product pretty sim simply, um, there's there's two components to sugar. There's the mobile app for residents and the manager dashboard. 
Um, we sell both of these products directly to the manager, and then the manager distributes the product to the residents, right? We don't charge the residents anything. Um, on the mobile app side of things, um, this is really where we bring everything all in one place for the resident. We've thought a lot about this piece because what we've seen is that because this is a B2B to C play here, we've seen a lot of these apps designed for the manager, but very little attention uh, placed on what the resident wants. So the mobile app has been heavily designed um, to mimic other apps that residents are used to, right? You know, we're using apps like Uber and Airbnb to do, um, you know, some of our, our daily things, but submitting a maintenance request or paying your rent has a completely different feel, um, you know, mm. at the place where we spend most of our time. So the mobile app is where you can pay your rent, submit maintenance requests, um, connect with your community, look at events that are taking place, create your own event, um, communicate with management. Um, and we've now started to integrate with some other things like keyless entry so that people can even unlock their doors on the app as well. So it's really the all-in-one hub for doing what you need to do to live at the property, but also engaging with the community. Um, and on the other side, we have the manager dashboard. And this is really where we provide insights to the manager um, and widen their aperture into what's going on at their community. Um, so these are things like how engaged are their residents, what are their online Yelp and Google scores. Um, you know, we even created a system where they can measure the community health, um, but that's really the place where we bring everything together for the manager. And that measurement score, let's, I, I'm telling you, I feel like you've got you, you like most people don't know this listening to the show, but Fatima and I have now known each other for quite a year and a half, yeah. almost two years, something like that. So, and, and we get a chance to connect pretty regularly, but this is crazy because it's literally the next question. So you're just like <laughs> walking me through the interview. I don't know if you just want to take the, take over here. Let's talk about that measurement score, the AREC score. What is it? How are you measuring it? And I think most importantly, why does this, metric that you guys have identified and created why does it matter yeah you know this idea of resident experience is a fairly new and evolving concept i think managers know that you know happier residents ultimately leads to easier management leads to higher lease renewals and you know all those sorts of things um mm -hmm. however it's historically been really difficult to manage um or even measure what the resident experience is at a particular property. And so, you know, you could throw a bunch of events, you can add a new espresso machine, you could, you know, make renovations to the gym, but unless you have a way to measure the impact on how it's improving the lives of residents, um, it's, it's gonna be really difficult to manage. Um, real estate is the largest global asset class with the 1% technology utilization rate, right? 1%. And so as more and more technologies come into the ecosystem, there needs to be a way to manage, manage and measure how these new technologies are providing an ROI or what is it actually, when I bring sugar to a property, how do I know that it's working, right? How do I know that it's made a difference? And so that's why yeah. we created the AREC score, the average resident experience score, because we wanted a way for people to not only get a baseline of where they are today in terms of their resident experience, but 
-hmm. how do things like sugar and incremental improvements at the site ultimately increase that over time, right? And this helps them manage it, but also helps on-site managers get motivated and incentivized to continue doing you know, a great job. Um, being in this industry for just a short amount of time, I've, I haven't seen an industry where folks who are so instrumental <laughs> to the livelihood um, of people who live at the property are not compensated either you know, financially or just from a praise perspective, right? So being able to give onsite managers a tool where they could say, hey, I increased this property's AREC score by over 50% over the last 90 days, right? To people who are high up, we think that that's very powerful, right? Because it now excites and motivates people to quantify the changes that they're making at a, at a property. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, could, I can imagine, you know, some of the measurement of on-site managers is, well, how many problems did we have or did we decrease the problems, right? But you, you kind of mentioned like a pretty good point here of finding a way to both demonstrate the work of an on-site manager, but even make, you know, provide a little bit of like reward or praise to the on-site manager for their, their work. Because it's not a, I mean, you're in a people business. <laughs> you know, as an yeah. onsite manager and you're in a maintenance business yeah. and logistics and you have you know, 10 there's jobs a lot of, you have 10 different it's jobs. It's a lot of things. Yeah. And to, you know, it can be difficult. And as soon as one thing goes wrong, you're the first person who has to hear about it and whether it's your fault or not, you're at fault. You know, that's just the reality of how it's going to work. So this seems like a pretty important thing that could help culturally and organizationally for owners and operators. Um, I want, I want to get into, I think it's a really cool feature, the digital call box. Can you talk me through this? Um, because I think this is one of the first things you originally shared with me about what you guys had kind of built in this arsenal of resident tools and totally changing building experience. Uh, I think it's super cool. So I'll, I'll just kind of leave it there and, and let you run with that. Sure. Um, that's one of my favorite features for sure. And to kind of back up into, you know, how this digital call box even works. You know, at the end of the day, we're a resident experience platform. We help people connect with their neighbors and just help give them a better experience at their properties. The decision for us to integrate with these keyless entry and access control systems is because, you know, we saw this opportunity to allow people to essentially go in the app for something they need to do on a daily basis, which is unlock doors. Mm -hmm. And if you can get people to do that on a daily basis, then they're going to be way more engaged in the other features um, and aspects of the app. So that was kind of the premise of, you know, why does Sugar integrate with access control and keyless entry systems? Um, and obviously with the rise of Gen Z and more buildings becoming keyless, um, this is going to be a trend that we just continue to see um, over time. So that's 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 that integration. Um, how that kind of evolved into the digital call box. Again, COVID um, and a lot of the changes we saw during that time influenced a lot of our thinking and, and ideation at the time. Um, QR codes were everywhere. People's moms, dads, grandparents, everyone was just scanning yeah. QR codes. Um, and so that proliferation and just the way it penetrated into the norm for us um, was an opportunity 
to connect and just replace call boxes with QR codes outside of buildings. We realized we had the directory of all of the residents. Um, we had everyone on the app already and people are already using the app to unlock their doors. Why don't we allow them to manage guest access as well um, using QR codes? So we built a pretty scrappy preliminary version and you know we're at several properties um, in California, some in New York, um, a recent one in North Carolina um, and some others as well are all using this QR code and have completely replaced um, their traditional call box system with just a QR code, which I think is really fascinating because it speaks to the mm -hmm. power of um, how QR codes are now even replacing hardware, which I think is really cool. Yeah, and, and, and for so so for like use cases here, you know, pizza delivery person is told the maybe the last name or apartment number and they can call the resident you know, but I, I think one of the the what what struck me was one the person calling doesn't have to have the sugar app, so it it opens access to anyone to be able to make the call. But additionally, the the building can add security features like they can't just pick a unit to call or they have to know someone who they're calling. So it's not just buzzing and pushing numbers, right? And then a random person buzzes the person You're in, right? And and the resident can see who's calling them. Exactly. Right? There's like an ability to see, whereas, you know, the caller may not see the resident. Spot on. I mean, you <laughs> you nailed it. Um, that's exactly right. And just having a history yeah. of all those records also documented on the back end helps from a security and safety perspective as well. Yeah, yeah. And this was a, that was a big decision factor for when we moved to Chicago. You know, we had proximity goal to from you know to the office but also security what is what how secure is this building can people just walk in of course the first week we were there like one of the employees had their car stolen in the garage oh no you know and like <laughs> every windy day the back door never closed so we realized after moving there it wasn't really as much as we thought it was but you know it, it was a it was a big deciding factor in thinking through it really ultimately i mean i didn't know like even even in working in prop tech, like I didn't think to call it like, what's the renter experience here? But that was literally what I was thinking about. Like, what is it going to be like living here? How are we going to get in and out of the building? How do we know it's secure? Like that sort of thing. It's it's kind of a big deal, and it was a big deciding factor why we went with the building we did. Um, I want to switch switch gears a little bit because I uh, I heard you guys have been doing some creative marketing and I want to get into some sales and marketing pieces. Talk to me a little bit about how you've been getting sugar in front of your ideal prospects because this is not a uh, pushover industry. This is very competitive. Um, there's a lot of incumbents. So how have you been breaking through the noise? Yeah, I, such a such a great question. Obviously, you know, as a startup. Um, we're continuously learning every single day, it feels like. Um, but, you know, one thing we're noticing is that, you know, data gets people to believe you, uh, but stories get people to care. And so a lot of times people are intrigued by the story and the premise of why Sugar was created um, and some of the impact that it's had both on the lives of residents and managers. Uh, with you know real life experiences and examples and then it kind of gets into more of our traditional pitches and things like that we've done all sorts of things from a marketing perspective um, 
you know, these conferences have been a huge opportunity for me to just meet other people in the industry, which is great. Um, it's a very relationships driven industry. And so just being yeah. at these conferences and talking to people and just getting to learn about people's pain points and their experiences and what they've seen over time with technologies, that's been great for me rather than, you know, initially just coming in and, and trying to position sugar without a willingness to learn what has worked and what hasn't worked um, thus far. Mm -hmm. um, and at these conferences, we've tried to really think out of the box. Um, you know, as a startup, you don't have the huge budgets that some of these incumbents have to have these really cool boots at these conferences that get, I mean, these boots are insane, right? Like multi-story boots. <laughs> um, and so... Oh, yeah. We've done cool things like we bring QR code cookie. I feel like we have this QR code theme going on here with our company <laughs> from, you know, the origin to, to the call box. And then um, these conferences, we have these QR codes on cookies. So you could eat the cookie with the QR code on it, um, but you scan the cookie preferably before you eat the cookie and then you um, you get a real live <laughs> demo of the app. Um, we allow people to download Sugar and experience it and we turn the conferences into a real live apartment where people are interacting and messaging. A really cool thing happened at the AIM conference earlier this year in San Diego where someone, real life story, needed a Band-Aid at the conference, posted on Sugar, someone responded, helped her find a Band-Aid. This is all, I mean, it's so, it sounds That's like, phenomenal. yeah, it sounds like a fabricated story. Um, but this, this happened, right? We just turned the conference into just this real live community. And it's one thing for us to talk about the product, but it's another thing for people to just download it, go in it, um, message people. We turn the different panel sessions into events on the app. Um, so people see how they can RSVP to an event. They see how they're reminded that an event is coming up. Um, and then obviously, we, um, you know, we, we left our, I don't know if we talked about the gamification element of the app just yet, but people are earning points and stuff just for engaging. So we've done those cool things and we've done a lot of door to door sales as well in, um, primarily. Los That's Angeles. what I wanted to get into in, in the, in the world of digital marketing and all, all the things that we can possibly do out there. You guys are getting face to face. You're going right on the ground, walking in the front door and saying, who do I need to talk to? Talk to me about like why that strategy and what's been the results? Like what have you been seeing as a response from managers? Yeah. And you know, it, it sounds simple and straightforward, but it's um, more of a recent development for us where out of the gate, um, you know, we, we started with, you know, obviously referrals and, and, references and, and these sorts of things and traditional prospecting and outbound and, and demos online through Zoom um, and, and other other channels. But you know when we realized and we started looking more at one, how we got some of our early customers and how this industry works, um, a lot of it is in person. I mean, leases still at many properties are signed on paper in person, right? Which is obviously evolving over time. But, um, yep. you know, we realize you have to meet people where they are. And we just started going to different properties, um, bringing some snacks, just bringing someone a DoorDash card, right? Again, this is an industry where a lot of folks, like there is, 
not a lot of praise given for a job that involves so many different aspects. So just coming in and, you know, with a perspective of obviously wanting to share more about sugar, but wanting to just learn what's happening at that property. Tell me some of your pain points. Usually food helps, right? Like it's hard to turn people away with snacks. Um, we found that to be really great, right? Where people, yeah. um, and they're also expecting a lot of random people coming in for tours and that sort of thing. So we're not trying to abuse the fact that there's an open door, um, but there's also this willingness and we've seen some really great results from that. And we want to double down on that and just continue um, meeting people where they are in the ecosystem. Yeah, and as part of that, the challenge you know you guys are overcoming, uh, and maybe we can talk through this a little bit of like how that affects your sales cycle. Is you know, the, in the management side, you have you know the on-site manager who may be the the user of the platform, but the one who makes the purchase decision is likely not that manager. How are you navigating that relationship, you know, you know, kind of dynamics and, and, and what's been working out there? Yeah, there's so many decision makers um, during the sales cycle. Um, this was something, you know, we continued to learn over time. And it's important to have enthusiasm um, from all parties involved in kind of assessing a new technology um, you know, the on-site manager needs to be excited and um, eager to use it because it's going to make their job easier in some way, right? Um, so there has to be some enthusiasm there. Um, the owner, right, has to understand, you know, the economic impact, right? Oftentimes the ownership groups, you know, care about two things, minimizing vacant space and maximizing asset value, Right. And so it's very much this ROI um, angle that has to be very clear to the owner group. Right. We've seen that oftentimes the property management group and this dynamic varies across property management company, region, building, all sorts of things. But some ownership groups are very hands off and they have the property manager ultimately make all of these decisions. But other ownership groups need um, and want to approve um, any sort of investment in new technologies that are made at um, the properties. And so we've taken, you know, this double pronged uh, approach where, you know, the on-site managers, it's very personal, personal. We go there, we share the product. Um, and yeah. then on the other side, we want the ownership group to typically have some understanding of sugar before the on-site manager goes to them for approval, right? And so it's just navigating, you know, whether it's the outbound campaigns to ownership groups or how we're thinking about, you know, it's really this storyline um, piece that we're just trying to nail and get right to um, accelerate that sales cycle. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty significant challenge, but, it, you know, I know that you guys have been working through that. Um, let, let's go, I'd love to hear, uh, and just curious, you know, because it, it's obvious that like, most buildings haven't put resident experience first, right? This isn't, it's not to say they don't care about it, but it's not been a priority. And certainly it's definitely been a low priority for a lot of owners over any sort of like infrastructure. So like a good app, uh, I'm going to say a good app because a app doesn't count. <laughs> a good app or good interface, you know, something like that. Are you seeing a difference of adoption from like any particular type of market or is it any particular type of building asset that 
gets the most value out of something like sugar? Yeah, you know, it's exciting for us to see the concept of resident experience and engagement increasing more over time, right? Turning more Mm -hmm. from a vitamin to a painkiller. And I think a lot of that is driven, um, you know, well, one, by the rise of Gen Z, um, that demographic becoming renters, um, obviously technology just becoming more of the norm and standard. And then the, the rise and the role of online reputation, specifically Yelp and Google scores um, for people making a leasing or touring decision. And so as these things continue to rise to the surface, I think it's created more of a need for people to either reevaluate their tech stack or think about adding new um, products into their tech stack. Um, And we've seen, um, and obviously it it depends based on the different priorities that different property management groups have, but we've seen um, groups where they've made an intentional strategic decision to focus on resident engagement at the top level, we've seen that reverberate across their portfolios. Um, Right now, our customer base primarily um, consists of Class A properties, um, although we have other types of properties as well. Uh, We see anywhere from high-rise, mid-rise, garden-style apartments as well. Um, We have some properties with hundreds of units, and then we have some where um, there's 12 people in a community, right? And um, different customers are using sugar for different reasons, right? Some properties are just using sugar. Um, Obviously, they then get introduced to a lot of the other features, but the primary um, catalyst is usually, I just, I need a better way to communicate with my residents. I don't have a way to just talk to people at the property, right? Between email and text and all these other ways, there's no way for me to streamline this, right? Um, And then other folks are using it because it's like, hey, we have a strategic um, initiative to increase our Yelp and Google scores. Um, Residents are only going there when they're complaining. So how do we drive more positive um, reviews? So that's kind of, we're seeing a lot of different things, again, based on the region, the, the type of customer and that kind of thing. Yeah. The, the, ma- the magical, mystical uh, review engine. <laughs> uh, I'm working on some of that myself. Uh, we're, we're doing some things at Obi. Um, we've, we've doubled our reviews probably within the last like few weeks. Like, oh, wow. That's we not, didn't have a lot to start that's with. That's not easy. <laughs> that's not easy, though. Reviews but, are really difficult. Here's, here's, uh, here's probably like the hundredth time I've dropped Ben Kinney's name on the show. And until I get Ben, I've got to get Ben on the show. Uh, for those listening who know Ben, I know Ben, <laughs> but just bug him for me. Uh, let's make it happen. So uh, I learned from Ben when I was a real estate agent. Um, and in reviews, it was thinking about not just the close of the transaction. A lot of people only consider the review then. But we had it baked into scripts early. Like at the point of like, I'm going to work with you and you're going to get a, this is what I'm going to deliver to you. And here's what I ask from you. So like I asked for a referral before we even went and looked at a house and I asked that they were going to tell people uh, about the experience they got in a review and then go under contract and you'd go in for the referral and the review. And then when you go and they actually close on the deal, you go in for the referral and you go in for the review kind of thing. Um, now I was a terrible real estate agent. 
but I did earn some of those good reviews. I really did. Um, you know, I just wasn't very good at residential, but it, it was the like peak moments of happiness for that mm. for that customer that I look for of like when is the time to ask for that review. So I'm curious if that um, is similar in multifamily, but we'll have to we'll come back to that. We'll, you, we'll, you and I will we'll connect, figure out the mystery around that. Don't want to share it with the world here. Um, <laughs> What what's one thing uh, though, as you've been building sugar and kind of going through all these different experiments, what's something that you thought might be, hey, this is the winning hit, this is the ticket forward, or you had this idea, give it a shot, turns out not what you thought. I mean, yeah, we, we, the startup journey. There's just so many of those moments um, all throughout the journey. Um, I think. One that comes to mind, I think very early on, we were excited by the correlation of lease renewal rates and a sense of community. Um, and we, we, I think we overestimated that alone being, um, or that by itself, right, without thinking of some of these other elements and building for these other elements um, would be enough um, from a selling perspective, right? And I think ultimately people understand this connection and this connection is very important. Um, but I think we, it took us some time to gain an appreciation for, again, quantifying the impact in, in a way that, I mean, lease renewal rates, it, it takes a year, right? For you to kind of collect that data oh, yeah. and see that impact. Um, so I think we, we definitely out the gate um, you know, it, it was very clear to us and it made a ton of sense, um, but we, we had to refine and continue to build for some of these other um, easy to tackle things like reviews or easier communication or um, just a better way to organize events <laughs> that are taking place at a property. Um, and so I, I would say there's that and, you know, there's a ton of other, there's so many features in the app. We thought like at one point we thought there would be a daily knock knock joke in the app that would be really cool <laughs> and people would be excited like we thought it would be great because like there's a door and a, not a good idea <laughs> unless the jokes are funny um it'll just annoy people don't push notify people <laughs> unless it's important or valuable um, otherwise they'll be annoyed and yeah. turn them off um, so. yeah. uh yeah i might i you know i can't can't blame you on the daily knock knock joke. It was not. It's not a bad idea. It's just maybe not what the market right. is asking for at the moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, one more question here before we get to the the bottom of the show segments. Why is now the right time to be focused on and building sugar? I think that the pandemic positioned multifamily as a very important component in piecing together human connectivity. Um, we lost a lot of touch with one another. Like we really became more disconnected as a society. Um, with loneliness, I think the numbers are above 50% of Americans identify as being lonely. One in four Americans now work from home. Um, and so you have this loneliness pandemic partnered with this, you know, increase in remote work, partnered with, you know, as we were discussing earlier, you know, burnout that's happening across industries. And we have all these 
platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook um, to an extent. But we have to ask ourselves if these platforms are either bringing people closer together or farther apart. Um, and while, you know, as managers, the need to bring people together can seem like, you know, just a nice to have at a property. I think people are understanding the economic impact of that a lot more now. People are understanding that if your residents aren't happy, if your Yelp reviews aren't great, if you're not creating a sense of community, people are going to leave. I think it's very similar to the great resignation where people no longer want to work at companies where they're not valued and you know, they feel like they're giving their all to a company that doesn't care about them. And that's why people are leaving. Yeah. I think we're going to see a very similar thing in residential where people are no longer going to work um, or live at a place where they're going to send their manager an email about a maintenance request and hear back days later. It's just, it's not going to happen anymore. And Gen Z definitely is not um, going to going to be okay with any of that. So I think it's a powerful time, both from you know just a technology perspective, but on a deeper human level as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's certainly working from home is totally an adjustment. And when we were at, um, actually, this was something kind of fun that was like interesting to witness um you know we, we when i was out of veil we had an article and it was how to handle noise complaints you know uh, managers and owners deal with this right unit three is so loud can you tell them to shut up and well you got to tell unit two like i mean technically it's not during quiet hours like you know sorry well that article the moment the hint pandemic hit and like people hunkered down and started working from home it just took off on the amount of traffic. Like people were searching constantly. And it wasn't because they were managers trying to handle noise complaints. They were trying to figure out what to do because they had noise complaints. <laughs> it was so fascinating <laughs> to, to watch it. And multiple times it like basically like mini went viral, you know, and it was syndicated uh, on a, so there's your ticket to building backlinks, by the way, people is write that <laughs> article really well. And then uh, how to cool a, a house without air conditioning. Uh, because every summer it just takes off and people syndicate it and backlink to it and it's evergreen. SEO. You've taught so me so much about backlinks, by the way. I just want to shout you out real quick about <laughs> there are very few people who study, analyze and go into backlinks in as strategic um, and intentional of a way as you do. I just wanted to add that from our conversation. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, hey, we're going to jump into the bottom of the show. Uh, this next segment is called for the future for the future is when I get to ask each guest to come to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Fatima, are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Question number one, what does sugar look like one year from now? One year from now, um, you know, we are live in every single state in the country. We're in at least one property in all states. Boom. <laughs> Love it. Uh, when you need some connections to South Dakota, because there's like 20 buildings. You're the there, guy, yeah. <laughs> there, there it is. You're the <laughs> only guy I know from South. So you really will be the guy when we need to tackle I'm that the state. Guy. <laughs> I, I, I really do have a guy in Sioux Falls. So so you and you let me know. All right, here's, here's a good one here. Question number two. How long will it take for resident experience score... All right, to become a, as common a metric as vacancy rate or MPS in multifamily? That's a great question. Wow. 
Um, you know, I think one, it depends on our ability to educate the market quickly um, and, and continue cranking out content. Uh, we're posting a lot of blogs on our site um, all related to the AREX score. So there's this curve of just educating people. Um, and so depending on how quickly we can do, I think the industry is very receptive um, to new metrics and tools and ways to quantify, but depending on how quickly we can educate people. And then on top of that, phase two will be how we can start to demonstrate with case studies, um, you know, a year from now, how we've been able to change the AREX scores of different properties. I think from there, we'll start to see more adoption over time as well. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? <laughs> Maybe the, the, the pet engage, no, 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 not the pet engagement apps. I think the pet engagement, pet engagement in general, I think is really great. I think some of the apps and companies are getting a little out of control. <laughs> I, I don't even know this is a category. <laughs> yeah, well, there's more and more research. So I do not, like, just to <laughs> clarify. You're not hating on I'm not hating on dogs at all. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, there's, there's more research that shows happier pets and more initiatives for pets gets people to stay longer as well. And so I think mm -hmm. people are kind of taking that and running with it in, in different ways, some of which may That's why be. every new luxury apartment <laughs> building has a dog run. Yeah. And it's like perfect astroturf. It's got like a little like seesaw for them to run up and down and tunnels and, you know, all, all the things for stimulation so that you don't have to leave the building premises to go to the dog park. You could just hang out right there. Um, yeah, not terrible ideas, but, no, uh, you know, the pet, the pet industry, let's just be honest here. <laughs> It's not really the pet industry. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're pulling up. We once, I, I cannot believe I'm going to admit this. People are now going to know. We, we had to kennel our dog when we left for Thanksgiving one year. And they said, would you like him to get a Thanksgiving dinner? Because we were going to Thanksgiving. <laughs> what are we supposed to say? No. They said, we're going to give him turkey and cranberry sauce and some mashed potatoes and a biscuit. And we'll send you a photo of him having Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, we paid the extra 20 bucks for him to have a Thanksgiving dinner. Why? Because we're not a heartless, you know, mean people. We, we care. You know, they just, just pulled that extra 20 out of my... I mean, I couldn't say no. That's I mean, hilarious. You cannot way. say no. Like, you literally can't it's say no. It's not the pet industry. He doesn't even like turkey, so... All right, last one here uh, on For the Future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? Ooh. I think the role, I'm not saying that property management companies will become obsolete. I'm not saying that at all. But I think the role of, I think on-site managers will start to look more like community organizers and people who yeah. are adding to the culture and some of the operational things like, you know, the maintenance request, the communication, all those things will start to get displaced by technology such that buildings could operate on their own without an on-site manager. You know, people can do everything from tour a unit um, with keyless entry without an on-site manager to even signing their lease digitally and getting their keys digitally as well, right? I think technology will start to take a lot of that away and displace that. Um, but then ultimately we're still gonna need people, right? To cultivate the experiences. And I think that'll lead to 
more energy and more types of people who want to come into property management and, and take on that role. Very cool. These last three we've got here, Fatima, are about you. So our listeners get to know you a little bit better. First one here is, what are you reading? Cool. So right now I'm reading um, The Power of Now um, by Eckhart Tolle. Um, huge fan of you know a lot of what he's written. And it's really been focusing just on the idea of living in the present moment. Um, and anytime we're typically feeling anxiety, we're thinking about the future, or when we're feeling guilt or regret, we're thinking about the past. And by reframing how we sit in the moment, we can eliminate a lot of these negative things that typically aren't real and just live in our head. And so that's been really great. You know, it's interesting. I, I just had this conversation with a coworker uh, and we were just talking about project management and, you know, really just adopting the tools that we have. And one of one of my shticks is like, you got an idea, write it down, like put, put it in there. I don't care how bad it is. Just put it in there and move to the next thing. Yep. And uh, not because I'm enlightened or anything, but mostly because <laughs> it's just like we have so many things to remember, like just get that thing in there because yep. we have a process to come back and review those pieces. But for right, you know, to carry that idea and think about it Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, you know, and like eventually then you you get to it. But like. Did it cloud from all the other things that you had going Absolutely. on? Absolutely. Did you start stressing over this due date that you didn't have to stress over or these details you didn't need to stress over? So uh, I, I can I can down with that. Yeah. Um, I think this book might not miss the color scheme there. Maybe it's that second row oh. in the back. Yeah, it'll. Yeah. No, the, the, so, so Fatina is, is holding up the book here and pointing out my bookshelf. For those of you who don't know, is color coordinated. It's color me. coordinated down to it's. There's a gradient. Like the orange books are organized yes. by he. I mean, it's. Yes. I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> little things around here. Um, <laughs> question number two: Who are you learning from? Everyone, <laughs> everything, um, people plants, animals. I'm trying to be uh, more aware of my surroundings and um, being open to learning from people older than me, younger than me, the same age as me within this industry, outside of this ecosystem. Um, because I think that's where, again, going back to the beginning of this interview, great ideas happen when two old ideas meet for the first time, um, which is why I think you know, traveling just leads to more innovation because you're just gaining more perspective. You're seeing more things. So I think there, there's just this openness to learn from any environment or person or thing that could potentially teach me something. Yeah, very cool. Last one here, what inspires you? <sighs> I'm inspired by the resilience of creators and entrepreneurs like Anyone who, if you want to build thick skin, build something new and then tell people about it, right? Like that is a surefire way to build thick skin. And so anyone, regardless of the outcome or how things are going, if it's going well, if it's not, like anyone who just has the courage to go out there and try something and have the resilience, like that inspires me to keep going. Mm. Do you know who, you know, Sarah Blakely is? Oh, of course. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. To incredible boss like probably one of the best business leaders the best gotta be yeah. like decades okay 
Um, and I listened to a mini biography and her husband is so cool too. Actually, they're like such a power couple and you think he's amazing. Then you hear her story and then, but anyway, um, that's how I found her. I didn't actually know about her. Uh-huh. Until her husband. Anyway, uh, but she talked about in this mini biography about how when she was getting started with a spank, she didn't tell anyone. And it stemmed from an experience of like just the ridicule, ridicule and the criticism and like just getting beat up. Yep. And she was like, no, I don't want the basically was like, I don't want any of that negativity in this. I'm, I'm going to hammer on this. Like no one knows about it until I get through it and then make people start asking, what is it that you're, you know, mm-hmm. basically like show them mm-hmm. what it is versus telling and early on about it. Cause yep. just, didn't need that you know to push through so that kind of is always like stuck with me of like sometimes you know it's the hard thing and you're not wrong right starting something and then tell your friends and family about it they'll be the first one to be like oh great yeah yeah, don't don't do do that (laughs) (laughs) they'll either be like yeah that's good when it's really not terrible yeah that's terrible and then crush the dreams too absolutely it's very very difficult um, Fatima, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing so much about sugar. Before we close out, for those who want to get in touch with you, want to learn more about sugar and what you guys are doing, where do they go? How do they do that? For sure, sugarliving.com. Um, great way to just learn a little bit about what we're building. And I'm on Twitter um, at Fatima Dico underscore. Um, or also, you could check out Sugar Living's Twitter at Sugar Living. Um, this has been so awesome, Nate. I'm so glad we had a chance to finally do this. As I mentioned, I'm a fan of this podcast, and I just think it's great that you're cur- curating these conversations. Um, I had a great time. Yeah, appreciate it. Can't wait to catch up again. We'll see you soon. See ya. Well, thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right in your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great worthy listen. We'll see you next week.